Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Beers and Careers. I'm your host, Mark Agostinelli. And as always, Beers and Careers is brought to you by the Davis Companies, www.daviscoes.com. That's D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. Uh, Davis is a full-service staffing firm specializing in on-site MSP offerings, IT, engineering, and manufacturing professionals. Check them out. Uh, today's guest is Kayla Newcomb. Uh, Kayla and I met at uh, the pan- a panel we were both on at Staffing World, which is our industry's um, conference. This year it was out in Denver. We spoke about millennial salespeople, kind of hit it off. She's in a leadership role out of Dallas, Texas running an IT staffing organization and uh, has a lot of great insight. We hit a lot of things from um, managing millennials, managing salespeople, and then also just balancing um, work and life as a, as a mom. Uh, she's a new mom. She has a son who's about a year old. So we talked about a bunch of different things. I loved the podcast with Kayla, and uh, we could have talked for hours. But um, check it out. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Thanks. Um, Kayla, well, it's Monday after Thanksgiving, and I don't have a beer, but uh, <laughs> cheers, and thank you for coming on Beers and Careers. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's great to see you again. It was awesome to meet you at the panel a couple of months ago. How was your Thanksgiving? It was excellent. It was excellent. It was a good four days. Uh, I have two little ones, I think, as I mentioned to you in the past. It was fun to have four days with them and getting stuff done around the house. How about you? Yeah. So, okay. So I thought the same. So I have a one-year-old and I'm not going to lie. I definitely got like panicked when I considered having him at home for four days and like Mm. no daycare, no childcare. Um, And he's in that like into everything phase, but he was a total delight for the entire time. So it was an awesome Thanksgiving with the family. I know like at times you're like, oh man, it's going to be a long four days. And then I got to work today and I was like, oh man, like they're all gone at school. I'd be bored right now, even if I was at home, but I want to be home with them. It's funny how it like switches so fast. Yes, absolutely. Not a lot of downtime, though. I only watched like two movies and didn't really binge any shows. So just know, a lot of eating and family time, which is not which is awesome. Right. Which is awesome. And you're joining us from your. Are you in Dallas? I'm in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. And Oh, I got to tell you, I'll, I'll catch up with you after. But I am. I already have Dallas on the calendar next year for travel. Yeah, so I'll, I'll ping you with the dates. We would love to see you. It's a great place to visit for business. Probably not so great for uh, just tourism. Hey, that's fine. Though. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. So, Kayla, we, um, like, as you mentioned, we met on the panel. I, I did have, we have some canned questions on Beers and Careers to get the audience to know you. So before uh, we totally do the intro, um, what is your favorite cocktail or drink as uh, it is it, Beers and Careers? Yes, Beers and Careers. Um, so favorite drink would be California cabs. So I am a Napa Valley girl through and through. Love a big, bold, fruit forward cab. Um, I like to suck the moisture out of my mouth. So the bigger, the better. Um, And I've just gotten really, really, really into wine, even more so. We just went uh, our third trip a couple of months ago. So um, it's been a great experience every single time we've gone out. Oh, that's really cool. Now, do you have like a perfect pairing meal with these wines or it does not matter to you? Um, cheese, chocolate, yeah. steak. I mean, all, kind of, of okay. all the go to pizza. Yeah. I mean, honestly, any, any <laughs> awesome. of the stuff. Yep. That's very cool. I love it. So I think you might be, um, one of the few wines too, which is really cool. I get a lot of beer, obviously. Yeah. A lot of vodka. Uh huh. So. You're one of the more sophisticated drinkers. My wife and I are recently in a uh, bit of a wine 
bit of a wine push as well. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, I mean, the more you go out there, it becomes a problem. I, you know, it used to be the grocery store wines were good enough for me, but now I've just really gotten turned on to some expensive wine. So I need this here to get something off. It's a, it's a slippery slope. Getting close. It's, it's a slippery slope. Now, do you, um, do you curse? Not really. No. Impressive. I, I kind of, I kind of got that from you because I was like, man, I've hung out with her for like, more than a few hours, and I haven't heard her swear yet, so that's cool. So you don't have a favorite curse word, which will be helpful in raising your little one. Yes, I do try to uh, to clean it up now. Every now and then, we we will drop one. Earlier today, I said "dad gummit," so that's yeah. uh, maybe harkens back to my Florida State days. That's a uh, favorite curse word, if you will, of my favorite coach, Bobby Bowden. So, dad, that's gummit. Awesome. that is awesome. Um, are you into quotes? Are you a quote person? I I am. I am a quote person, um, but I also just get into like phrases where I'll just kind of have some go to phrases. So this year, my team would tell you my go to phrase has been excellent execution every day. So I'm Mm. really, really fortunate to work with a team of very high performing individuals. Um, What we've been focused on this year is just taking it up a notch. Right. And so a lot of times taking it up a notch just means executing in a great way every single solitary day. The team that I have has all the tools to be successful. It's just about inspiring them to bring greatness to work every single solitary day. So excellent execution every day, E3. I love that. It's a great mantra. That's a great mantra. You can get a lot of people bought into that too. Yeah, it's easy. Sometimes it's so true. you got talent, but you need them to just, not you don't need them, but it makes a huge difference if you perform every day as opposed to most of the time. Yeah, right. And we all have like days of highs and lows. Some days are better than others. But if you're just operating at 70, 80 percent every single day, then you're not giving it your all. And ultimately, you're leaving things on the field. So Mm -hmm. the focus is to average at least 100 percent every day. Love it. And in true beers and careers fashion, what was your first job? Ah, first job. Okay, so I think we're talking about millennials later today. So in true millennial fashion, uh, my first job was at Hollister. So um, yes. Yes, yes. Spraying the cologne all over the stores. Um, I think our official title was model, which is hilarious. Um, And yeah, so I worked in the dark store uh, from like 2 to 8 p.m. after high school every day. It was awesome. That's that is awesome. That's really awesome. Now, can you tell us um, currently you're the regional VP at Optimi, which is in the staffing industry. So that's how we know each other. But can you kind of maybe share you mentioned you went to Florida State. From there, how'd you end up where you are today? Yeah, so I uh, grew up in Texas, moved to Florida when I was in high school and went to Florida State um, for school, graduated and uh, came out with a teaching degree in 2011 when they were cutting teachers in the state of Texas, mm. so they were cutting funding for teachers, um, but that was fine with me because I knew I didn't want to be a teacher anyway, so when you talk about a nonlinear career, uh, things were looking bumpy to start. Um and ended up finding out about uh, the staffing world in a company called Technosource um, right out of college and uh, came in, interviewed. Uh, my boss at the time, or my would-be boss, told me three things, which was awesome. He said, uh, every day will be different. Uh, you'll meet a lot of people, and there's a ton of opportunity in the industry. And I was like, that sounds awesome. So I went home and told my parents, and they were like, what are you going to do? And I told them those three things, and they were like, you should do that. So I just 
dove into the deep end um, and career just totally took off within a month. I was totally in love with um, the industry and what it's all about. Um, I've always focused on technology, love technology um, and how it impacts the world. Um, and so just from there, it, it has been probably maybe a more traditional linear path from there. So I went from recruiting into sales and then um, into management Took a quick detour um, to focus on sales for our onshore outsourcing division, um, which is how I came to Optimi, or OPS as our uh, parent company is called, um, and then have been in this role since March of 2020. Okay. And so hold on. You're at Florida State. Mm-hmm. Got, you're studying to be a teacher. Like, And then you said, I graduated, but they were cutting jobs, but that was okay with me because I knew I didn't want to be one. Like, When did you realize you didn't want to be a teacher? Um, like in the middle of the fifth grade classroom in the spring semester of my junior year. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't love this anywhere close to how much the teachers around me love it or really, quite frankly, how much my classmates love it. And I just didn't think that it would be fair um, to try and fake passion in teaching. I think it's not fair to fake passion anywhere, but certainly when it comes to you know educating children. So I just knew that I didn't share the same level of enthusiasm for it. Um, as some of my peers, um, but was focused on getting a degree and, and kind of just said, let's figure it out later. You know, there's life is yeah. so long. There's so many different paths you can take. So graduated and and then started looking for other alternatives. Did it make your senior year trying, knowing that you were doing coursework that you like your heart wasn't in then? Because you realized it right for a full year. Totally. Yeah, it was incredibly difficult because, uh, you know, most of my friends were taking cush classes their senior year and I was waking up at 6 a.m. every day to go teach eight hours and then, um, you know, not have maybe the same level of fun that yeah. they different type of fun but yeah it it totally made it a lot more difficult for sure and actually spring break senior year um our our spring break didn't align with the school spring break so i had to stay back spring break a senior year and teach instead so that was that was not great it's it's um it's wild because i think there are probably not a story you tell often right but like a probably a serious uh example of grit that you have Mm-hmm. It's like, man, doing something you don't like to do, knowing it every day, it can be character building, especially in an environment where uh, you know people are, I mean, people party in college, but the end of college is like. It was next level. Yeah, you know, and but people already have. Speaking of beers yeah. and careers, I was like, I got to get out of here. I, I need to uh, throttle back. It was a crazy right. time. Right. No, I can imagine that. So you're at, so then you get into staffing. Yeah. Um. You've worked for a massive staffing firm. You've worked certainly, uh, and for good size ones, bigger than, bigger than the organization I work for. Like, can you talk to me about like along the way? I know you said it was traditional, mm-hmm. but like, when did you, there's so many people. And, and I think when I say in staffing, I really should say in a sales heavy environment, right? Um, there's so many people that are in a sales heavy environment that really want leadership, really want management. Mm-hmm. When for you, did you always know you wanted it and then explain that kind of the decision making process or the feeling out process mm-hmm. of getting into it? Because it's a it's a leap. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's definitely a leap. And it's actually something that um, internally now 
um, as our firm continues to grow at a pretty exponential rate, um, we look at and we talk about, you know, hey, how do you know when to tap a person? Uh, when's the right time? You know, I think for me, it just came down to um, always feeling like I had some natural born leadership capabilities and characteristics. And I liked being um, the leader. I'm the oldest child. So that probably yes, um, yes, plays yes, into yes. it and being a pretty type A personality. Um, but I, I think I've, I've reached a point where I felt like I could make a bigger impact in the organization than I was making uh, as an individual contributor and wanting to um, make an impact, but also um, challenge myself to take on something new and different. Um, I also had a really great um, boss and mentor who um, would come in town and probably once a month or so and we would have these long lunches and she would say, okay, so what's next for you? Okay, so what's next for you? And, you know, I think as now a leader myself, that's a, a conversation that can be risky um, to have with your producers, especially with your top producers, right? Because you talk about taking people who are very successful in their roles and giving them a new challenge and, um, what if they fail, but what if they fly, right? So she yeah. was really instrumental, I think, in pushing me before I thought that I was ready for it. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really interesting. Did you, when you're like kind of having those conversations with your top producers or with anyone you're kind of pegging for, do you find it, um, do you find it difficult or, or more difficult because those people are also the people making tremendous money and generally in leadership, you can make great money, but you probably will never make as much as a top producer. Like, how do you handle that conversation or does that come up earlier? Is it later in, in your experience? Yeah, it's um pretty constant. I would say it comes, yeah, right. yeah. It comes up late. Um, you know, we, um, we're in the process of really defining what those roles look like. And I think it's different motivations for different people. I mean, certainly there are people who are like, hey, I am a lone wolf and I want to hunt and um, you know, be successful on my own. And, you know, I don't really like managing people. And I think that that's completely fine. But we have to create um, and define paths for success for those individuals. Um, but then we also have to create and define paths for success for leadership. And, and I think that it is important to align compensation to those things as well. Um, but there is, you know, there's always a give and take. Yes. I mean, not to make it a compensation, uh, like focused conversation, but what I found really interesting was you responded by saying, well, I think it's always part of the conversation. I grew up with certainly, uh, just kind of, uh, both my parents were college educated, but there was a lot of blue collar work ethic within my family growing up. And it was kind of like, I don't feel like they probably had constant conversations about compensation with their bosses is all mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. And uh -huh. I think that was kind of part of the way certainly we were raised. Whereas I think that's the opposite of good leadership. I feel like I'm talking about comp with my people, certainly all the time. And I'm trying to bring it up as opposed to, because I found it. Let's just talk about things mm -hmm. as opposed to the opposite. You employ similar strategies. It, it sounds that way. And I kind of was curious to pick your brain on it. Yeah, I think it's really important, right? So there's always there's internal motivations. And so you want to look for those individuals that just have that natural motor. Um, and then there's external motivations. I think there are a lot of great careers out there that maybe don't have the same upside that sales has. And, and so by choice, sales is not for everybody. Um, but sales leadership is is a different sort of a challenge. And so I think that um comp does need to be part of the conversation. What's interesting, maybe to flip the conversation a little bit, 
um, is that we are in the process, and you guys probably are too, of hiring a lot of Gen Z um, into mm-hmm. the workforce as they're starting to come in. And um, what we're seeing is that they're getting a lot of coaching from their parents during the interview process. And so they're very, very hesitant and shy to talk about um, being money motivated. And we have mm-hmm. to really, really draw it out of them in conversation. But um, Interesting. All- all of the folks that we hire at the end of the day will say, yes, I am money motivated. Um, and you need yes. to be in sales, but it's right. just kind of funny how they'll dance around it. That's um, interesting. Very, right. Which is very different than 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's kind of what we were told to do. That's, that's so interesting. So talk to me, Gen Z, but on the topic of millennials, we met because we spoke on a panel yeah. about leading millennial, millennials and millennial salespeople for the most part, I think was really the premise of the topic. Like what, what were, from your perspective, the best takeaways from kind of that discussion in terms of uh, effective strategies for, for managing the millennial workforce? Yeah, absolutely. No, it was a super fun panel, and I think we had a, a great audience as well with some really good questions. Um, you know, I think the biggest takeaway for me was really to just challenge the way that things have been done um, in the past and be willing to be open-minded and to consider how things could be done differently. Um, and, you know, I think as millennials, and this is probably true of every generation, just happens that I'm a millennial, so I'm living it now. Um, every generation disrupts in their own way. Um, I think we've been certainly aided in the disruption by uh, the pandemic and all of the implications for that. But, um I think that being open-minded to doing things differently and being flexible with how we get there once people have proven that they can follow mm. the path to success. And I think that that was something that we talked about a lot. Yeah, agreed. I think we, we talked about knowing our businesses. When I, when I like, you reminded me kind of of that topic. And shout out to Devin, Allison, yep. and Brittany that were there with us because uh, we need to have you guys all on this podcast talking about it soon the enough band back together right we got to get the band back together from all parts of the country but um i think what was important was you have to have the confidence to and like what the key things that drive your business are mm-hmm. because those are kind of non-negotiable mm-hmm. and then how you get to there i think is where we were like that's where the creativity and the uh challenging the status quo needs to be welcomed to a degree mm-hmm. is that is that fair to say Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we need to think about like how people work best. So I have a a new person who just joined my team today and we did a session on time management. And I'm like, so are you a morning person? Are you an evening person? Like, talk to me about when are you the most productive? And she's like, really, I'm the most productive between like 2 and 8 p.m. And so I'm like, okay. so then what this looks like is your workday looks a little bit longer, right? Like I'm going to expect to have a slower start. That's okay. Um, But you need to be open-minded to putting in some extra hours because those are your most productive hours. So just kind of setting those expectations, but then working within how people work best and knowing that everybody Mm -hmm. is different, you know, with that. Did you, do you find like you have more flexibility to do that now at the size company you are Mm -hmm. based on your previous experience? Like, mm-hmm. is it is it a stark difference or? Yeah, I would say so. I, I would say that we run at an entirely different pace. 
Um, so we will oftentimes call ourselves a rocket ship. Um, so just, you know, to give some perspective, we've grown about 70% year over year, um, just in the last year and the firm's only nine years old. So, um, it's, it's been pretty, pretty substantial, um, throughout that time. And so, you know, I think with that, especially when you're in, you know, startup mode, I, I would say I joined the firm, you know, kind of post startup. Um, phase, but very much still the startup mentality. You're, you're just all in. Um, and, and people are operating at a different level, but you're operating at a different level for, uh, I guess greater reward, higher results, more instant gratification. You know, you're on the rocket ship that can soar to new levels much faster than, you know, the commercial jet airline that's at a cruising altitude, right? And so, yeah, yeah. um, that's, that's an analogy, I guess, of the, growth um, or the different levels of experience that I've had um, in both of the firms. No, that makes a lot of sense. Do you, can you share with us maybe just for the dynamic or the setting the stage, so to speak, like what, how big is your team and how, yeah. what's the structure of it? Just if you yeah, contact. Absolutely. So we're a regional team um, and I've got 12 salespeople um, underneath me. I'm responsible for our West region. So um, I'm based in Dallas. Um, we've got a presence in Austin. Um, we've got clients in Southern California um, and then also in Denver. Oh, cool. All right. So and are you on a plane often? Well, not with the pandemic, um, right. but that is that has changed uh, incredibly. Increasingly, month over month, um, you know, as things have continued to change. But, you know, that's probably another thing that's changed a lot in the sales world is um, the need for travel is not what it was. Right. I think we've all accomplished um, so much more um, in this last year being virtual than we did in person. There's still always a place for being in person. Mm -hmm. But I think that people are more open minded to meeting virtually as well. A hundred percent. And it certainly made it more efficient mm -hmm. and more productive. I also felt like um when we like met for the panel for example i also felt like i appreciated it more than i would have had in the past as well like yep. when you are getting on a plane to go meet someone it's like all right cool like this is the absolute reason i'm doing this as part instead of like part of my normal chaotic mm -hmm. life so to speak so I've, I've found a lot i since you and i met i've been traveling quite a bit yeah um my role has changed a little bit here and it i I've found that I cherish like the I, the 24 hours I have or 40 hours I have in a location. I get so much more done from a relationship building sense, but not at all really from a product technical productivity sense. So yeah. it's a it's an interesting battle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I don't yeah. really know if I've got it down yet, to be honest with you, because I'm trying to figure it out. But um there's positives and negatives, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that it's taught everybody to be more conscientious with their time and to be more intentional with their time wherever they are. Right. So we're making different decisions about it. But when we make that decision to get on a plane and to leave our families and, you know, to take a trip to go see a client or to go see our teams, um, we are more fully present when we're mm -hmm. there. Yes, a hundred percent. So now those 12 people, do they re report directly to you or is there another layer of leadership within that? Tricky question right now because uh, we're okay. of some organizational yeah. changes to mm -hmm. um, currently help some of the growth that we're experiencing. Um, so today I have three team leads um, okay. and pods um, yes. within them. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's a, that managing other managers is its yeah. own step, right? 
Yes. It's done. So what has been the biggest leadership challenge for you as your teams have grown? And I don't want to say like as more layers have been created because I don't mm-hmm. I don't really think of it necessarily that way, but more so you were someone who had confidence in yourself to go into leadership, right? You mentioned your type A, oldest child, uh, it really resonates with me because very similar, right? Like you've got the confidence. It's another thing to assess that someone else has the ability mm-hmm. and then have the patience mm-hmm. that goes along with it. Like patience was a thing I struggled with. Do you, was there anything that was huge that you struggled with that you kind of feel like, man, now I feel like, you know, I'm 10 years into the business. I feel like I got my arms around this much more than I did back then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that there is definitely a um, a sense of confidence as you grow your career that um, you know you're able to make the right decisions and to have the right conversations with people. That was something that um, was really challenging at first, right? To have that candid conversation, but in a way where people still felt valued and appreciated and loved, but being direct with them. Um, on that. So um, that was definitely a growth area. And and I think that that's something that's fun to see as now I have um, people underneath me who manage teams of individuals is helping them come alongside and to learn how to have those conversations or to maybe, you know, as an example, recently um, we we had some conflict on one of our teams where uh, one of the producers was causing uh, two of the other producers to um, have some negative feelings um, that were definitely valid. Um, and so coaching uh, the manager underneath me to have that conversation with her team to say, hey, we need to resolve this issue, but what's the best path to resolve that? Um, and so it's fun to hear the ideas that they come up with um, and then to give them a little coaching and guidance along the way um, and then to give them the empowerment to say, okay, come back to me and tell me how this worked out. Super great. But I think the self-discipline to not get in there and just solve the problem is probably the biggest trap. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like I think for people that I've worked with, unfortunately, I've probably learned about it better from seeing what not to do than what to do, which is like an unfortunate byproduct of it, but you kind of got to be paying attention. But people that have tried to just do it themselves, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it works in the short term, but man, do you make your life a living hell? Cause then you're responsible for doing it every single time. Yes. Yes. You never want to be that firefighter, right? Like you right. don't want people to just come into your office all day, every single solitary day with fires, big, small and everything in between. So I really try to focus on, empowering my team to make decisions for themselves or at a minimum come in and say, here's my problem. Here's the two or three things that I'm thinking of to solve it. What do you think? Right. And then Mm -hmm. we talk through it from there. But um, I don't like it when they come in with just dumpster fires of problems. Right. Right. Did you have like who mentored you through that or did you have that natural ability? Because I made the mistake early on. I I became a firefighter my first year, like when I only had two or three people. I was firefighter Mark for sure. All day long. Yeah, I think I I watched a previous boss be a firefighter and mm-hmm. um, and I would just walk, watch people go into his office all day, every day. And I, I thought to myself, God, that looks really exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to deal with all these people and all their problems and the ups and the downs and the emotions. And, um, you know, it 
what would happen when he would be on vacation or out of town, like then people would just be lost and then they'd be calling him on vacation. Right. And so I'm a big, big believer in empowering people to solve their own problems and to think critically about things. um, Because I think it's really easy to just pawn things off to other people. Exactly. I feel like there's so many. um, It's funny. I had a mentor in our business. He's no longer here, but he snapped me out of it. And he was like, you can come here and bitch. He's like, but you have to also present a solution. Totally. It's like, that's fine. And I was like, I get it. And I totally like, that's a good golden rule. I'm, that's what I'm responsible for. And so he's like, you'll never take the next step. So that, that's certain, that certainly helped me kind of get out of that um, cycle. I, I also feel like, there, aren't there so many opportunities? Like you mentioned it by saying that poor boss you had previously was like, had to answer questions on vacation and that kind of thing. It's like, there's so many opportunities that present themselves as like, I call them mini tests. It's mm-hmm. like, this is a great test to see if you've been developing it. People like, delete your email from your phone. Yeah. You're leaving the country, like leave the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really awesome test amongst leadership teams. Be like, how un- unplugged can you get? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's the opposite of how people are wired too. They're like, well, if they don't need me for this week, do they ever need me? Yeah. What am I here for? Yeah. Right? Do you find, do you find, have you struggled with that yourself? Um, so I think I did have some of those thoughts. Um, so I went on maternity leave, um, yeah. or oh, eight yeah. weeks last year, right? So kind of leading up into that, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is the team going to do? Um, but I, I did become very focused on, um, empowering them to, um, make their own decisions, to solve their own problems and to lean on each other too. Um, and I'm really fortunate, you know, about half of my team, um, are senior level producers. And so they, they've been there, they've done that. And so sometimes it's just telling them, Hey, you, you guys have the right answers. Just go do it. And, uh, you know, I think another thing that I tell them a lot is like, you're not going to make a mistake so bad that the company is going to close. Like, I know that this feels really big to you right now. And hey, like, let's agree. It's not a great thing, but we're not closing the doors. People aren't losing their jobs over this. So it's not the world. There's there's not really anything that you can do that would cause such a mess that we can't clean it up and we can't clean it up together. Um, so I definitely think empowering them. I did hear a, a, another podcast actually a couple of years ago, um, how I built this and they were talking about the CEO of Patagonia, uh, which is a you know, famous sportswear brand for anyone who's uh, not aware. The CEO goes away um, to like a remote spot um, to fish and just get away into nature for like three months every year. And he's completely and utterly unavailable. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And the host said, that's crazy. How do you do that? And he said, if I don't have the right people to run the company for three months, then I don't have the right people to run the company. Yeah. It's a, it's a really, it's a really good point, but it's so counterintuitive Mm -hmm. from the way you kind of like start your career. Mm -hmm. You think that it's all like everyone's responsible for being there every day. Like, how are we going to handle this? And, um, it's funny, like when I talk to people about it and they're like worried about time management or goal planning, I'm like, you, I was like, the most you're going to work is 48 weeks in a year. So like when they do their goals and they've got it all multiplied by 52, I'm like, well, that's wrong because you're not yeah. going to be here for 52 weeks because Christmas exists. Yeah. And you're also going to need to take a vacation because I'm going to make you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like there's such a requirement of trust, though, for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Like trust in yourself, but then also in leadership that like they're not just going to replace you when you go out on mat leave or I I was so lucky I went for 20 I took 23 days off in 2018 which was like so millennial of me right yeah, yeah. <laughs> classic millennial 
I had this wild opportunity. I lived in Australia for a while. I had friends that were getting married in Australia and I was, I really wanted to go, but you don't go to Australia for like a day, obviously. No. Right. So yeah. I did it. And I remember like talking to the, to my boss and being like, so like, should I plug in? Like, how do you think I should plug in? Cause I'm on like the reverse time. Totally. I can help you out. The world. Yeah. I'm i I'm 12 hours ahead. Can I help? And they're like, no, this is a, this is a, not a test and an opportunity for the rest of your team. They're like, you plan the trip a year ahead of time. I think this is actually where I got some of my mindset from. It's like, you have a year, the trip was planned so far in advance, to get your team ready for when you're gone. Mm-hmm. They were like, unplug. I was, and it, I did, I will admit, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a, about giving trust. Yeah. It's hard to unplug for three weeks when you're type A and a control, and a control freak. But then I also learned that, like, I actually don't unplug for, like, the first seven days I'm on vacation. Yes, it is hard to unwind. It's kind of cool, though, to travel internationally and to be in different time zones because sometimes so my husband and I went to Hong Kong several years ago and uh, similar time difference, not quite as severe as Australia. But um, I remember I would like wake up in the middle of the night and I would run through my email inbox and I'd be like, "Okay, problem. Okay, talk about solution. Okay, actual solution. Maybe not how I would have done it. Problem solved. Okay, great. You know, yeah, right? <laughs> you're like, yeah, you just kind of you're watching it happen. You're a spectator. And um, there's so many different ways to solve the same issue. Right. So just mm. your way doesn't mean that it's always the right way. As long as it I, gets I, done. I, I think it's a millennial problem, though, because mm-hmm. I, I, I and I don't know. But like if I had to guess the generations that came before us without the technology, when they went on vacation, they went on vacation. Like they no one's not. calling the hotel. Uh huh. Right. Like unless you had a serious, serious job. But I think we almost are prisoners of our own mindset that way to a degree. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I took away from the whole experience being like, oh, man, it's kind of my job to share with people that you can unplug. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you I think it's really important to model that um, and to give your producers um, and your team members time to relax and unwind, too. And, you know, I think every single time I've ever done that, they come back as. Uh, refreshed and rejuvenated and they actually feel like they've taken time off, which is really, really important. So we created actually a buddy system because I I told the team like, Hey, when you're on PTO, I want you to be on PTO. It's called time off. So take the time off, but the business doesn't stop while you're gone. So you need to have a buddy and you and your buddy can't be gone the same time. So you guys have to work it out. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It makes so much, it's so simple, but it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much and harder in practice. A point of failure too. Mm-hmm. Yes. So true. So from a, from a business management standpoint, it makes a lot of sense that way as well. People are more intimate on the accounts, that whole piece. Yep. Absolutely. Now I had a question. You mentioned it. You're out on maternity leave. You've got the little one, the one-year-old at home at one and a half. That is one. Yep. One. one. Um, and I was, Speaking with a, with uh, a friend, a colleague, uh, who also, she, I think, I think her daughter is just one now. Yeah. So about the same age. And we were just kind of like shooting the shit at the water cooler. And we have like kind of a mentor mentee relationship. I, I mentor her a little bit. And she was like, I just honestly, Mark, I don't understand how other moms do it with everything going on. Like, not only are you trying to advance your career, but I also like, you know, live and die thinking about my child. And it was one of those things where I was like, I need to phone a friend. And I was <laughs> like, so I've asked other women, but I'm interested in you. Like, how how do you balance it all? Because, like, you've got a serious job. You've got a career that, like, 
is on fire. You're working at a company that's growing rapidly, mm-hmm. but your child doesn't give a shit about that. I mean, your husband probably does, but like, yeah, it's it's not easy. It's yeah. not easy. You may you may make it look easy on the outside to the people that are around you, but I know it's not having lived it even as a male. So I'm just interested in your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say that we outsource a lot, uh, mm-hmm. as much as we possibly can. Um, because what we've really agreed to is that time is our most valuable resource, right? So if we get three or four hours a day with the little guy before and after work, we want to be all in for those three or four hours. So mm-hmm. we're not wanting to, you know, scrub every toilet in our house or, um, or clean our kitchen. We, you know, try to make life easy with meals and things like that. Um, but you do, you have to make, um, different choices about things, um, and, and definitely have, you know, some priorities. And, uh, I actually heard a really good um, piece of advice. You asked if I was a, a quote person. Um, this is maybe not an inspirational quote, but a quote that I think about a lot, um, to give myself some grace on days when, uh, maybe I'm a better mother than a than a uh, staffing employee or sometimes I'm a better regional vice president than I am a mother. But, you know, she said she was she's an investment banker and she said some days I was the best investment banker and some days I was the best mother and I was never the best investment banker and the best mother on the same day. Hmm. So, Ain't that the truth? Yeah. You, and do you think you, do you find that the more time, obviously, your son's a year old. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it hasn't been like an incredible amount of time, but do you feel like the more you've been back, the, the more comfortable you get with having those bad days, so to speak? He's like, I, I know from being also in prison in a type A brain that like you're constantly like, I left something out on the field. And I don't want to say it was a waste of a day, but you feel, I don't know, I personally feel that way sometimes driving home being like, ah, I didn't have a very good day today. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you just give yourself way more of a break because you have the confidence in backing it up or or do you just get solace out of the fact that you were a really good mom that day? Yeah, I think it's more of just having peace that, yeah, you were a really good mom that day or, or, you know, a great employee, a great boss, a great salesperson, whatever it may be, um, you know, that you were that day. And yeah. It's just it's just not going to happen all in the same day. Um, So as long as you're averaging, you know, being great at both on most days, I think that that's, that's what's really important. And, you know, kids are smart. They're intuitive. They, they can tell if they're loved. Um, they yes. can tell if their parents are there for them. And, you know, I think that he'd rather have me fully there and not checking my email at the same time, or he'd rather, mm-hmm. you know, be with my husband or be with his grandparents or whatever mm-hmm. during that time. So I just, I try to be fully present with him when I'm there and I try to be fully present, you know, when I'm at the office or when I'm with my team. And I think the team's the same way. They know if they feel um, cared for and appreciated and like they've got um, the right opportunities for them. And so trying to be as present as I can with them as well. Active listening is a big thing I'm working on right now. It, uh it's a skill that I, I think is uh, like perfection is worth chasing in the active listening game, especially mm-hmm. as salespeople and then as leaders. You sound like you got a dial, though. It, it, to me, I'm getting the sense that it's you, you, the time piece is obviously your uh, guiding light, but you've been really conscious about lifestyle design after that. Mm-hmm. It's like, OK, so these are the priorities. And though even though I don't know this about you, but even though you might have an absolute passion for cooking, well, I don't get to get like mm-hmm. six nights a week anymore because that's just the way the decisions I made work out. 
and I, I'm putting words in your mouth, but it yeah, seems like no, actually, you're actually spot on. Um, so I was one of the many in the pandemic who grabbed a sourdough starter and started yeah. sourdough <laughs> bread, right? And so it was awesome, and yeah. I ended up making some really great bread. Um, but the week that my son was born, I threw out my sourdough starter because I was like, I can only keep one thing alive, and it's not going to be the sourdough starter. So I'm just done making sourdough bread, and now we buy it at the store, and life is great. Ah, I mean. I mean uh, my one of my favorite quotes is uh, by Jack Welch, who maybe not the greatest leader of all time, certainly one of the greatest, created a great performance for his company, right? Yes. But uh, he said there is no such thing as work-life balance that are just decisions and consequences. Mm-hmm. And I think you can interpret that quote really negatively, but I think you're someone who's living it in a super positive way. It's like, and that was kind of the advice I tried to give my friend was like, I think you're just being too hard on yourself. Like, totally. just do what you like. Do what is important to you, and if your career doesn't grow exponentially until your child's six, who cares? Yeah, because that's what you wanted to do. Like, I don't think you should hold yourself to an unattainable standard. So I, that's like how I kind of look at it: is there are decisions and consequences, and am I cool living with the consequence? Yes. Yeah. Well, and I'm super passionate about keeping women in the workforce because there's mm. so many women that just tap out, you know, whenever they have kid number one or kid number two or kid number three, and then they, you know, go back to restart their careers 18 years later. And that's okay if that's, you know, the decision that you make. But I think that there is a, a path forward and there's a way for um, women to balance it all um, a little bit more. So um, I'm super passionate about creating that space for myself and modeling it for myself, um, but then making sure that my team members have it as well. We have kind of a joke internally, like if you want to get pregnant, come work on Kayla's team. Like I always have somebody on maternity leave on my team. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I I can say as a male, having uh, kids and going through it and seeing it from the flip side, it made it, I, I became a very different leader because mm-hmm. it became way less about like, this is war and sports and more like, no, this is real life. And like you going to your wife's, you know, six month checkup is way more important than you being on this rec meeting, right? Now. Yes. Like, just like, you gotta, and like, I think as a 23 year old idiot, I didn't get, it. you know, you're just like in reality. So I think it's a, it's a perspective I've changed a lot. I actually sat on an awesome panel at, uh, not the one we presented on. I attended a panel about that and it was, it would complete, it helped again, like changing my perspective on it. So, um, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kayla, we could talk probably for hours. So I feel like that's a good way to end it is with that perspective. Anything else you would add to people? I think a lot of the the demographic that listens to this is like just after college or people going through career changes or people that kind of know us. But any advice you would give to folks um, along the way as it pertains to either leadership, sales or or kind of their own job search? Yeah, good question. I I would just say, you know, be the person that you want to work with and you want to work for. And so um, focus on being excellent every day at what you do. Um, And I think in turn, that will inspire others to uh, to that same level of greatness. Hmm. Well, Kayla, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, I hope to have you back again and have fun at home with the little one. And we'll catch you soon. Yeah. Give me a shout when you come to Dallas. Will do. I'll send you those dates. Perfect. Take care. Perfect. Bye.